This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. My name is Melanie. I'm an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And my name is Kimberly, and I'm a registered dietitian. And we have a very exciting guest here with us today. We have Kate Hardy, one of our fellow lifestyle educators here at Positive Choice. Welcome, welcome. Woo, woo, woo. Thank you. Yeah. She is an exercise physiologist, uh, obviously a lifestyle educator. Uh, She has an MW... NWHBC, gosh, it's a mouthful. Uh, she's a health coach <laughs> and she's an adjunct professor at the Mesa College, which is super cool. Welcome. That is awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. I apparently have a mouthful of things to say. There's a lot of, lot of credentials there. This is awesome. <laughs> so we've been trying to get Kate on the podcast for months, for months and months and months. Yes. Like basically this entire year. So welcome finally to the show. <laughs> So hype. In a way. <laughs> uh, and this is our wonderful New Year's episode. So it's a New Year's. So I should have said previous year because it's not that it's not this year anymore. It's next year. So we're in the new year. Uh, so super exciting. <laughs> hooray. Um, hooray. I know. So to get started, I think it'd be nice. So uh, Kimberly, what brings you some joy today? What brings me some joy today? Um, I had a really good conversation with... Um, one of my friends from high school who's moved uh, to a different state. So, you know, like life happens. You don't talk all that often. And I had a really lovely conversation with her recently, just catching up. So Aww. that was fun. Brought me joy. Oh, I love that. Kate, what brings yeah. you joy today? I just heard that a good friend is pregnant and is going to have a baby soon. And that makes <laughs> me feel so happy for her. That just is, is really great news. Oh, that is super sweet. Super Very sweet. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Melanie, what about you? Uh, so what brings me joy? Um, well, I would say what brings me joy is I have increased my, or not increased, decreased my time swimming. So I'm able to hold a much faster pace when I'm swimming now, which I'm very excited about because I am a generally uh non-competitive person so i'm competing with myself to just be a little better and it's very exciting so i was really like pat pat good job i did great uh <laughs> that's awesome that does feel yeah, good. way to go those improvements are just brilliant they just make you feel so so it feel accomplished great. and so then true. it's like and now i have to swim harder <laughs> I know, <laughs> but it is what it is um, yeah well, unfortunately, we're not talking about uh, swimming today as much as I'd love to, but uh, instead, <laughs> we're actually going to be talking about sleep, and this is not our first time talking about sleep on the podcast, actually. It's it's the second time, but what's really exciting is one meeting we had a while back, Kate did a presentation on sleep, and everyone in the room was just like mouth agape staring at this presentation, so if you weren't sure how our response was, everyone was fascinated, by the it way. It was amazing yeah, yeah. It was super fascinating oh, well and thank so you we've been just like mm-hmm. chomping at the bit to get her on this podcast so everyone can yes. hear this awesome amount of information she's about to dump on us so <laughs> uh let's talk sleep okay well let's do i did want to i think it's a really important subject that's greatly underappreciated because about a third of adults in developed countries get less than the recommended seven to nine hours of sleep each night 
And about 20%, yeah, and um, about 20% of the adults in the United States um, get less than six hours a night. And I think we kind of live in a driven society where we actually kind of wear that as a badge of honor. Like we are far too important and busy to spend eight hours in a comatose state doing nothing. Um, But we are not doing nothing. Sleep is really, really important for restoring both our physical and mental health. And I just think it's greatly underappreciated. And um, and there's also, you know, a percentage of those people who are, are would be willing to prioritize the time to sleep. I'm a member of this group, by the way, which I don't like, but I struggle to get enough <laughs> sleep. I'm perfectly, you know, I'll make out the eight hours. And then I was like, go, you know, sleep. And so having those problems, either getting to sleep or maintaining sleep. um, I've, I've had a lot of struggles with that myself over the years, which is what kind of made me want to look into this in the first place. And so when we are finishing today, I do have some tips for helping people um, try to get a better night's sleep. Oh, yeah. I think that's what everyone wants to know. The tips. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yes. Well, we'll get to those too. Yeah. We'll get to those too. I, I'm terrible in math. This is a well-known fact about me. I'm awful at math. So you said 30%, like a third of population doesn't get enough sleep. And then you said 20% doesn't get even six hours of sleep. Is that 50% of the population then? Did I math right? No, 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 no. 30% doesn't get at least seven to nine but, ah, okay. But 20% of our total population is even worse than that, and they don't even get six. Ah, so they could be a part of that 30%. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yes, they're part okay. of that 30%. Like, my yeah, brain, sorry, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm terrible at math. So, like, I was like, 20 plus 30 equals 50. And that's, hey, I got that. <laughs> no, okay. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I made it sound worse than it is, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm just terrible at math. <laughs> no. Well, that's pretty, like, not good all around, given that. You know, like, I think a general consensus is that people know sleep is is good for you. It's something that's important for our health, blah, blah, blah. But it's not something we prioritize nearly as much as a million other things. You know what I mean? It often gets thrown on the back burner for, like, whatever, busyness, or I'd rather watch TV or whatever the case may be. So that's, a, in my opinion, a really decent percentage, given that we know how important it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't think everyone knows how important it is. I mean, um, you think of it as <clears throat> well, one of the pillars of good health would be um, getting enough rest, um, good nutrition, and exercise. But I've actually heard, um, you know, sleep professionals talk about it as the foundation of good health. Without that, your other efforts towards nutrition and exercise, they, they just are not as beneficial. They're not as effective if we're not getting enough rest. And that's really important when we spend so much time and effort trying to get ourselves in shape, trying to get ourselves healthy. And then we ignore, you know, something that could make that so much more effective. And so just to go over some things that can happen if you're not getting enough sleep. For those yes. 20% of people that habitually get less than six hours of sleep a night, um, it's decreased the robustness of the immune system. In, in that group, there are higher rates of cancer, um, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, including congestive heart failure, and in, even an in increased risk of Alzheimer's disease. Oh, wow. And even for, yeah, yeah. And who would have known? And even for, for moderate sleep reductions, meaning kind of, um, you know, short-term sleep reductions, like a night or two of short sleep or sleeping less than seven hours, which 
you know, seven hours seems like a pretty decent amount. So if it's just a little bit less than seven hours, we might not really think of that as a sleep deficit. Yeah. But our body does think of it as a sleep de deficit, especially if it's night after night after night. And we say um, increased um, blood pressure and blood sugar, at least transiently, if it's short term. And th these numbers are taken from, you know, young, healthy, fit populations. And if we're, we can in induce insulin insensitivity and high blood pressure in this group of people, you know, think about people who already have those conditions uh, and they get a little bit too less, too much, too little sleep and how that's going to affect them and their physiology. Um, it also decreases um, memory capacity and the ability to learn and focus, increased rate of depression, anxiety, and even suicidality. Um, it negatively affects our, our gut microbiome, and which, as we know, is important to just about every organ system in our body. Um, it increases appetite, so it make, and it makes people less willing to make good decisions because our 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 frontal cortex is not making good decisions when we're tired. Mm -hmm. And um, if if we're losing weight, if we're on a low calorie diet, and we're not getting enough sleep, more of the weight that we lose comes from lean body mass rather than fat. And so that is going to be important to a lot of people, I believe, as well. Yeah, I talk about that a lot of classes, like when we're trying to lose weight, you want to lose the kind of weight you want to lose, which is fat, not lean mass. Lean mass is what has yeah. the metabolism attached to it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yeah. So basically, you're saying if you don't get enough sleep, a lot of bad stuff's going to happen. Yeah, it, it screws up yeah. like every every system that you have. Really? Oh, boy. Yeah, literally. Literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, because I get, I have patients, I, I kid you not, they'll come to me and I'll have these discussions. We do like a brief, like tiny talk on sleep in, in our healthy balance classes. And when I mention it mm -hmm. and I mention like how much sleep should we get a night, like seven to nine hours. And people are like, well, I never can get more than six hours. Like I try and I literally just wake up and cannot get it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm, I'm wondering what potentially could be the issue there because you know, we talk about like sleep hygiene. I'm doing like air quotes here, but sleep hygiene. But they're saying they literally it's like they're sleeping and then bing, they're awake. That's it. They're done. That's mm -hmm. it. They don't always fall asleep anymore. It's so, like, I feel like that's the kind of questions I get a lot from people are like, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, people will actually um, acclimate just like we do to any other environment that we are put ourselves in on a on a chronic basis. We kind of acclimate to what we always do. And we don't necessarily notice that we're not working and we're not we're not our performing at our best selves. Mm -hmm. And um I, I I know what that feels like too, to not be able to get enough sleep. Um but um you know it's possible there is a gene variant that is associated with people who actually function fine um getting six hours of sleep and and they don't need eight hours of sleep. It is, you know, and it's possible that those people are um, one of those people. It's, it's highly unlikely, though, because that gene variant, which is gene BHLHE41, the expression of this gene is less than one in 12,000 people. So, it's, you know, it's not impossible, rare. but it's very, <laughs> very rare. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is really frustrating to wake up and not be able to go to sleep. That, that's the type of insomnia that I have, actually. I'm able to go to sleep and I'm, I'm, I go to sleep at a normal, regular, reasonable time, I think. And I'm tired and I go to sleep and then I wake up and I wake up and yeah. I wake up and I, I cannot go back to sleep. So that type of insomnia is called, um, um, sleep maintenance insomnia. 
There's ah. like onset insomnia where you go to bed and you lie there and lie there and lie there and you can't ah. go to sleep. I know that uh, one very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, it's, I, it's, I feel seen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. And actually to get a diagnosis of uh, insomnia, um, the individual needs to be dissatisfied with the amount of sleep they're getting and feel significant distress or impairment during the day. It needs to happen at least three nights a week for at least three months. And there are no coexisting medical conditions that are, that are causing this, this lack of sleep. You know, maybe if there's a chronic pain issue and it's keeping them awake or, or if it's apnea, that's different. That's, um, sleep apnea, there's a different treatment for that than there is for insomnia. And so, um, but with those things, um, met, then, um, then that person could get a diagnosis of of insomnia. And And the best treatment for, um, um, insomnia is actually cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, it is not sleeping pills, which there's a lot of um, downsides to sleeping pills. They can be yeah. actually pretty dangerous. Interesting. So, yeah. So it's yeah. it's kind of like more psychological than we thought it was, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, especially when you have this condition for a long time, like I have, um, you <laughs> actually, when you are having trouble falling asleep, you you have this thought pattern. You know, our thought patterns are very cyclical. You're like, oh, I can't go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. I'm never going to be able to go to sleep. And that just reinforces the fact that you're not going to go to sleep. And so the cognitive behavioral therapy is to challenge those assumptions. And there's, there's more to it than that, that we can talk about if you'd like, but, um, um, yeah, just fascinating. I mean, also made me feel a little better. I'm like, okay, I'm not struggling three nights a week. We're good. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Okay, we're good. Um, But I mean, that just brings me, I guess, to the question of like, you know, because I talked about uh, like sleep hygiene briefly, and I'm sure everyone's like, Mm. what? Um, And of course, we we mention it in our other podcast we did many moons ago, which is, you know, how we set ourselves up to like fall asleep more effectively and the little routines that we establish before bed. Mm -hmm. But one thing you mentioned uh, that I actually have been teaching my classes about a little bit because I thought it was fascinating was the circadian rhythm element of sleep and you were talking about the larks versus the night owls versus everyone who's like kind of in the Mm -hmm, middle mm -hmm. and like i want to hear more about that because like i know that i just said it but like i want you to explain it because when you're talking about it i was like i'm normal this is (laughs) (laughs) seriously it is is nice to feel like a normie once in a while isn't it yeah Um, (laughs) yeah our, our desire to sleep is actually driven by two drives one is called the circadian cycle and the other is called the sleep drive and they work independently and if we're lucky they work together not everybody is lucky but if we're lucky they work together and those people tend to be very fortunate and get very good sleep but the circadian cycle is largely it's innate it's um something that you know is very difficult to change you you can't wish yourself from to someone you you might find that you go to bed way too late and you can't function well early in the morning say, Oh, I'll just go to bed earlier. And, and you, you can't do that. Your, your circadian rhythms, um, you can adjust your circadian rhythms to some degree, but it's, it's difficult. And you, it's really difficult to change yourself from an nine owl to a lark. It's just really difficult, but the circadian rhythms. Yeah. Let me talk to him about, about them a little bit to you. And they are driven. They drive our sleep wake cycle as well as our desire to eat and drink and um it, it regulates our body temperature and our metabolic rate and um it's um it, 
actually driven by your exposure to light and dark. That, okay. <laughs> that was the part that I talked to my classes about. Yeah. Like, that is really cool. I don't want to, I want you to explain this more. That was really neat information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, you know, about 40% of our population are larks. That means they get up at the crack of dawn and they also maybe want to go to bed a little bit earlier. Um, and then about 30% of our population are night owls, meaning they want to stay up really late. So we're going to use a, a normal bedtime of somewhere between 10 and 11. And sleeping that sounds about like eight hours. Okay, well, you're normal. Yeah. You're a normie. <laughs> <laughs> and then a normal wake-up time would then be about, you know, six to seven. So about eight hours later. So we have about 40% of the people that are quite a lot earlier than that, that maybe want to get up at about five, but also are wanting to go to bed about nine. Um, you know, want to go to bed at, you know, um, I'm sorry, nine or even earlier and get up, get up really early. And so then we have the, the night owls who stay up until one, two, three, but then want to sleep half the day. And we know what those people are called. They're called teenagers, but those are not the people I'm talking about. (laughs) I was going to say, that sounds like my brother, but he's in his thirties. So that's hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, he's a he's a genuine night owl then, because oh, yeah. all teen all teenagers are night owls because our circadian rhythms shift throughout our lifespan. So oh. as um when you're a little kid, little kids get tired earlier in night, and then they and much to their parents' dismay, may get up earlier than the parents would like. Also, um, mm-hmm. and then you know the circadian rhythms kind of shift to the right gradually as a person ages. And then they shift way to the right during the teen years, where teenagers typically want to go to bed at you know um, one or two in the morning, and then sleep till ten or eleven in the in the in the next morning. And yeah. you know they you can't do that with your schedule, and so we kind of force them into our mold, um, which doesn't really work out very well, actually. For the there's about thirty percent of us by the well by the way that are kind of in between and normies. But the expectation for owls, who um, teens I'm going to put in this um, situation too, is really quite unfair because they're expected to get up early just like everybody else. And they're expected to get up with a smile and be productive and be on their game, you know, when they get to work or to school or whatever, when their frontal cortex is still asleep. And so they really actually cannot be on their game at that time of the morning. And then it's also unfair on the other end. So, you know, school or work or whatever ends and they're in the height of their energy and creative time where they can really be, um, you know, acquiring information or be really productive. And, but, but everyone's, everyone's done. (laughs) And so, and so then they might try to go to bed earlier so that they can get more rest and you can go to bed earlier. That doesn't mean you're going to go to sleep any earlier. And Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm parents back get to my days as a teenager. And I know for a fact, I was like, I was up till two in the morning, most nights. And then I would still get up at 6am to get on the bus. <gasps> to school. Yeah. That's brutal. Like horrif- that's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was very sleep deprived as a teenager. I know that for a fact. I'm like, I think back, I'm like, yeah, I remember morning practices. I remember doing all this stuff and I would be up till 2am mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, let's go. I functioned yeah. off of very little sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how people, people do that. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know um, how I did it, but I also started drinking coffee at 14. That could have been part of it. Who knows? Oh, Lord <laughs> almighty. Yeah. <laughs> I was a healthy kid. Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it is, it is definitely tough for owls because, you know, if they, they're, you know, then they can't go to sleep earlier. So they're chronically sleep deprived. So they start Monday and then now they've only gotten, you know, they, they went to bed at normal time, got up too early. And then the next day, they they are they're chronically not getting enough sleep and so they you know if you're chronically sleep deprived you just don't do as well as somebody who gets enough rest so ways that you can actually shift your circadian rhythm because you can a little bit but it takes it takes a while and it the shift isn't going to be hours and hours and hours but some people want to shift their bedtime to be um later for instance um older people often their their circadian rhythms continue to shift earlier and earlier and earlier as individuals get earlier. So they're like, oh, we're having sex. I can't even stay for the senior meal. You know, I'd rather, I'd like to, like to you yeah. know, be able to go to bed a little bit later. You know, they want to go out and socialize and do stuff, but they're too tired, you know, falling asleep mm-hmm. in the chair when they go to the movie. And so um, the way to do that is if you go outside in the morning, which, um, you know, it's good to go outside in the morning. And the, a lot of older people like to exercise in the morning, too. And that's still good. But sunglasses on in the morning. So no exposure to bright light in the morning. And then go outside in the evening and in the afternoon and in the evening and no sunglasses. So you get that bright light exposure later in the day. And that actually... Um, you know, you want to let the light into your brain. There's a structure in your brain called the suprachiasmic nucleus. And it that's what actually runs your internal clock. So that's how you shift your circadian rhythms to the right, where you would actually um, wake up um, or you'd be able to go to bed later and wake up later. Um, now, what's more common is people want to try to get up earlier. Yeah. And so, yeah, so to do that, it's exposing yourself to early morning sunlight, preferably right away when you wake up mm-hmm. and, um, ideally going outside. If you, if you can, if you, if you can't sitting in a window box, though is good where there's lots of sunlight and getting that, um, sunlight early in the morning. And then if you're out later in the day, sunglasses on early in the day, no sunglasses later in the day, sunglasses on. So that can help. Um, like I said, it's not going to make a lark into an owl or vice versa, but it can, it can help move someone toward in that direction. And I'm assuming that's something you'd have to do like pretty consistently, right? In yes. order to like build that up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You just do it once and it's not going to help probably. <laughs> yeah. Magically. No, it works. Early. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm sleepy early. Come on. <laughs> that's the American yeah, dream. Do it once. And yeah. yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Just get notification. Just get it done once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, There's that's, also that's an the issue. Part. Yeah. That was the part, honestly, that I share with my classes though, that like the shifting of your circadian rhythm, but obviously the consistency being the key. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's problems, you know, as people age, they start secreting less melatonin. Melatonin is a hormone that we start secreting in the evening that helps us wind down and want to go to bed. And older people have a more flat secretion of melatonin. It's kind of more level throughout the day. So they don't have that same thing. So there's some implication for using melatonin with an older population that it might be effective, which it hasn't been shown to be efficacious for a younger population. Mm. Um, okay. I won't say that I haven't tried it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, tried lots of things in desperation to get enough sleep. But I, I will tell your listener, your listeners, my twelve healthy tips um, at the end of the podcast. So you guys yeah. got to stay tuned until the end, listeners. Yes, <laughs> we're luring <Listeners>. them in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, right. another thing that I mean, I've I've known this a little bit. Um, not obviously probably to the extent that you do, but obviously I've heard that like lack of sleep does suppress the immune system, which you kind of stated a little mm-hmm. earlier. Want to get into that mm-hmm. a little bit? Like, how is it affecting our immune system? Right, like. That's protecting us yeah. from these germs. Indeed, indeed. Well, there's a couple, um, a couple things, a couple studies I can mention. Um, one was a flu, a flu. I'm sorry, uh, cold virus study. And you guys have probably heard of this study done um, in in different ways, where they have healthy volunteers and they shoot a cold virus into their nose. Have you guys ever heard this? Okay, yeah, this is yeah. done in a number of different ways. And they, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, anyway, no, actually, they, I don't think I've heard of it either. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Oh really? Yeah, I don't know who would sign up for this, but um, people do. Like, if, you pay, if you pay people enough, they'll do just about anything. I mean, so, I would have paid me enough, probably. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, they, these are healthy volunteers, and usually they're college students. So they're by definition they're poor, and so they're willing to do it. And by definition, they're also young, and so um, and probably reasonably healthy. And they found that um, if they were sleep deprived one week before the, uh, for an entire week before the um, flu virus was shot into their, uh, I'm sorry, the cold virus was shot into their nose, uh, meaning they were allowed only five hours of sleep a night, 50% of them got that cold. Oh. Wow. Now, 50% didn't, but 50% did. Now, those that mm-hmm. were allowed to sleep eight hours a night for the entire week before they shot that flu virus into their nose, the cold virus into their nose, sorry. <laughs> um, only 18% got the cold. Oh, wow. So That's a it huge shows, difference. Wow, yeah. It is a huge difference. So it can make a big difference about whether or not you're catching things that go around. Um, and also there's um, um, an implication for the flu vaccine, which if you haven't gotten your flu vaccine yet, listeners, it's about time to do that. Um, and for the week prior to getting your flu vaccine, you want to make sure to get enough sleep. Um, there was another study um, done that said, uh, and it showed that volunteers who slept four hours per night the week before the, they they got their vaccine, which granted is quite a lot of sleep deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. But four hours per night, they had less than 50% the immune response than those that got eight hours a night. And so for people that are sleeping six five, seven, there's probably a lot, you know, a big range in there about how effective the vaccine is going to be. And so um, there's also been um, studies done um, with sleep deprivation and the hepatitis vaccines, and they've shown that they're much less effective if the individuals don't get enough sleep um, the week prior to getting the vaccine. So sleep before the vaccine. The week before, get enough sleep, the whole and you week, get the yeah. best percent. Yeah, yeah, the whole week. Yeah. Right. Also, um, people who are sleep deprived are, um, you know, they're higher res- re- receptivity to cancer. And um, they've even shown in labs that one night of four hours of sleep um, decrease the natural killer cells by about 70%, which are the cells that fight um, cancer and that's tumors. wild. Holy guacamole. After one yeah. night. Yeah. After one night. Yeah. Oof. Isn't that crazy? And they found that tumors are more aggressive in people who are sleep deprived. And um, actually, nighttime shift work 
is now classified by the World Health Organization as a probable carcinogen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. That's, yeah. that's, that's wild. I, wow. It's gosh. Intense. So you're kind of just solidifying, like, y'all need to sleep. Like, get your sleep in. Yeah. Good. Let's do totally. This. Totally. There's so much. And so at normal sleeping hours, too. Right? As yeah, opposed to, like, being awake during the graveyard shift. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. know. And it's it's tough because, you know, some, you know, we, we need people to work those shifts. Right. And yeah. so it is kind of tough, but maybe just thinking about, okay, don't do it forever. <laughs> you know, you if you're go. doing it, maybe, you know, just maybe do your dues and then try to get into a more um, normal sleep-wake cycle. It's It's more beneficial for the body. I don't know. I don't really know what to tell people that actually do that but uh, I, mean, I don't think doing that long term is going to be doing them any favors really right something that came to mind i guess is you know let's think in like healthcare industry there's obviously like nurses for example they don't always work a consistent schedule like sometimes they're scheduled a night shift and so they go back and forth like they they do that you know how would someone in a position like not necessarily if they're a nurse but like you know someone who works a schedule that's wildly variable like that how would they be able to get sufficient sleep if one day they're sleeping at nine, the next day they're up at nine to go to work? You know, like, how do you manage that? I think you have to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice. No, I don't, yeah, no, I don't know. It's definitely rough. Um, melatonin is implicated um, for short-term sleep, um, sleep problems associated with the schedule changes and, and um, changing in flight zones and things like that. It can, I'm sorry, flight zones, time zones. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be helpful for promoting sleep onset in, in some people. And it is, it has been shown to be beneficial when used short term like that. Um, I, I think it's just going to be really tough for those people to, to get adequate sleep. And, you know, when people's sleep architecture is better when they're younger. And so, you know, young people are more able to be able to just, you know, they're probably thinking, what is she talking about? You know, I can sleep anywhere, anytime, you know, well, good for you. That doesn't necessarily continue throughout your lifespan, though, as as people get older, that it's sleep, people tend to struggle more with their sleep. And it's not just the stress, it's physiologically things happen and and make, um, make sleep um, more challenging. So another thing I wanted to mention, the circadian drive we talked about, but there's also something called sleep drive. And that is caused by a buildup of adenosine, which is an amino acid. And so when we wake up in the morning, um, if we are well rested, um, our adenosine levels should be very low. And then throughout the day, if we're not napping, so throughout the day, our adenosine levels rise and rise and rise and rise and rise. And so as they get higher, that promotes our onset of fatigue and wanting to sleep. And so if you are lucky, your circadian cycle co- coexists with your adenosine um, cycle and so that your sleep drive is high and your circadian rhythms are kind of are falling and you fall and you're getting sleepy at a normal time and you're able to sleep. Now, like I said, that doesn't always work. It doesn't work for the night owl for sure, you know. Yeah. And so um, now and that is where caffeine comes in. Because when people consume caffeine, so if you have had a great night's sleep, you you might you're likely to wake up really refreshed. And if not, um, where do you go first? That cup of coffee. I know where I go. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite appliance in the house. 
Well, the reason that is so effective, you know, right away, as soon as you start drinking something, it feels like the effects are almost immediate. And it's because it, um, caffeine, um, um, interacts with the adenosine receptors. It blocks them. And so the adenosine might still be there, but they're not binding with the receptor. And if the adenosine doesn't rebind with the receptor, we can have all the adenosine build up in the world, but we don't feel it. Mm. We don't feel it. And so that fatigue is just gone. And so, um, you know, during the day, later in the day, you know, especially if you're someone who has trouble with sleep, it's really advisable not to drink caffeine later in the day because it takes about eight or more hours for caffeine to um, completely get out of your system it kind of depends on the person how fast you metabolize the caffeine I totally um, yeah yeah I'm one of those people if I drink caffeine after three bye-bye sleep I ain't sleeping Mm -mm, yeah it's blocked those receptors and the adenosine is not binding and you went not tired Yep. Uh-huh. I've, I've been there many a time. It took me a long time when I realized that I was drinking like diet soda when I was in college. It wasn't caffeine free and I was doing it with dinner. And then every night I'm like, why am I not tired? I'm not tired. It took me like three <laughs> months to finally figure it out, like why I wasn't tired. So that was awful. Uh- <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, where I went to college, we the water in that town tasted, it was horrible it smelled and tasted horrible and so we you didn't want to drink the water you know and yeah. it was it was a long time ago before there was really bottled water that was um um as available as it is now i mean you didn't hear you you see it everywhere now but you, yeah. you didn't back then and so we would um drink soda and diet soda all the time that anything else like the big huge cup of like diet pepsi yeah so yeah, of course, at night. Nobody's sleeping. <laughs> in addition to the fact that we're young and our circadian rhythms are all like screwed up, we're drinking all this caffeine. So anyway, uh, yeah, it definitely plays a role. Yeah. Well, for all of our caffeine addicts out there, we're about to, you know, make you sad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so because we're we're starting to get to that time, I want to hear yeah. about your, your 12, 12 tips, your advice yes. for uh, how we could sleep better. Okay. The most important tip is sleep on a regular schedule. It means go to bed at the same time every night and wake up at the same time every morning. Uh, even in the weekends, whether you're working, you're not working, stick to a schedule. If, if you're only going to do one thing, that is the most important thing. Yeah. I would have to and- agree with that. We're creatures of habit yeah. and we like routines and schedules and every other element of our life. Why not with sleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps to absolutely. set your circadian rhythms to, you know, um, over time that does help to reset your circadian rhythms. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you have to get up really early on the, during the week and you just, you want to sleep in and try and catch up during the weekend. If you struggle with sleep, you don't want to do that because it, it kind of destroys your sleep drive and it doesn't let your circadian rhythms kind of shift where they need to go. Um, another thing is um, exercise is awesome during the day, but try and avoid it within two to three hours of bedtime uh, because of the impact that it has on body temperature. So it when in order to fall asleep, your body temperature actually needs to fall like two to three degrees Fahrenheit. Isn't that amazing? I and think so it's super if you, cool. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not when your house isn't super cool, though. No, <laughs> never. <laughs> it's because it's really hard to cool down. Um, um, but anyway, sleeping in a cool environment and having your body be able to cool off. So 
if you're exercising too close to sleep time is, I mean, is if it's vigorous. Yeah. Um, so if it's long and hard, you're elevating your body temperature, it would be something you want to avoid. If, if you're doing something like yoga or, or even swimming where uh, you were mentioning swimming earlier, your body temperature doesn't, doesn't elevate as much as yeah. it does during long, long exercise that, that would probably not have as much of an impact. But um, anyway, we want to avoid getting our body temperature elevated close to bedtime. Avoid caffeine, um, ideally, yeah, within eight (laughs) hours of bedtime. Mm -hmm. And uh, avoid nicotine, too. Smokers have a hard time of it because nicotine is, of course, a stimulant. Yeah. And so if they avoid that stimulant um, later in the afternoon and the evening, you know, then they have the withdrawals, (laughs) which is also going to give them trouble. sleeping you know so the you know the i hate to say it but the best thing is to bite the bullet and i know get the help that you need of course to to quit because that the help is there you know speak with your doctor if you need help with um smoking cessation um alcohol is another thing you know a lot of people will try and put themselves to bed with a a cocktail or two and although it does promote yeah and I have to say, it makes a lot of sense. And I've resorted to that myself, you know, from time to time, you know, um, because it promotes, um, you know, sleep onset. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, but but sleep and sedation are not the same thing. <laughs> the brain waves <laughs> that you see are actually different. And so it's not as restorative of sleep as sleeping. And when the alcohol wakes up, there's a stimulant effect which makes the person wake up and not be able to go back to sleep. So it causes more fragmented sleeping of the person um, waking up and not being able to go back to sleep. Basically saying like, are you sleeping or are you unconscious? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a, there's a difference. And also um, alcohol has a major impact on REM sleep. I did know that actually. It doesn't let you fall into a full REM cycle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, REM sleep is really important for completing our rest and completing a sleep cycle. And wow. so, yeah, it, it has a pretty profound effect on that. So actually the amount of alcohol to consume, um, is zero. Um, you know, you know, <laughs> yep. with that being said, you know, Kate, people, the bearer of all the good news we're going to hear today, <laughs> quit smoking, quit drinking, quit having caffeine. Yeah, we got this. Let's go. <laughs> I know it. So, you know, it depends on how, how badly you want to, want to attack the sleep thing, but you know, cut out the, you know, at least take, knowing the information, choose, pick, cherry pick what you want to, what you want to work on here. Right. Okay. Yeah. So another thing is, um, avoid large meals or beverages late in the evening, obvious for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's possible some medications can keep individuals awake. So if, you know, going over the medication with your doctor if they know they might not have any idea that you're struggling with sleep unless you tell them and um it's possible they could switch out your medication for something different or switch the timing of it that might make it easier for you um don't nap if you struggle with sleep (laughs) and that's tough because you know yeah (laughs) people want to do when they struggle with sleep like oh let's just take an afternoon i'll just take a nap yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, and it sounds like it would make sense, but it destroys your sleep drive. The buildup yeah. of that adenosine then plummets, even with a short nap, and then you kind of destroy your ability to fall asleep at night. It also makes a lot of sense, too, because I cannot tell you how many people hate. I know who like hate napping. They're like, every time I wake up, it's just like, I don't know what, what day it is. I don't know what year it is. I feel like garbage. <sighs> and you're like, yeah. 
yeah, how, they say napping is rejuvenating, and I've yet to hear that from pretty much anyone I've talked to who naps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, napping, I think, can be great for some people, but if you struggle with insomnia, it's not good. It just yeah, isn't yeah. A, good, a good substitute for a good night's sleep. Um, let's see, what else? There is... Um, T- take time to wind down b- before bed, just like you would if you had were raising Love a child. That. If you have mm-hmm. raised a child, then you are very well aware of the bedtime routine of, you know, you brush teeth, you read a book, you take a bath, and you do the same thing in the same order. And then you, the, the child starts to realize, okay, now it's time to bed. Well, so does the adult starts to realize, okay, I'm going to bed <laughs> soon. So if you mm-hmm. go, you know, at the same time and start having the same routine, that can be really helpful at setting a sleep rhythm. I do that yeah. with my cats. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh, Melanie. Well, they're rehome. So one of them, he's a Savannah cat. So he's wild. He's like, he's a crazy kitty. He runs around the house. Uh-huh. He meows. He's really loud, like really loud. And we're, I'm like, I'm not dealing with that at midnight. No. So like we put him in oh. kitty jail. It's not kitty jail. It's just like our spare room. We like put him in there with all their stuff, their litter boxes and things. But like every night we're like, oh, hey, here's time for treats. Let's pet the cats. We put the cats to bed. Okay, time to put the adults to bed. Now we go to bed. And it's like our little routine now is we put cats to bed. Then we put us to bed. <laughs> Does it work yeah they they jump into their spots curl up and like okay we're ready i'm like wow we trained our cats this is cool impressive impressive. i didn't know you could do that with cats (laughs) i didn't either but apparently you can it's very cool (laughs) but yeah i'm just thinking well kids but have cats (laughs) if you have if it can have that impact on cats think of the impact it could have on you people who are struggling to sleep Absolutely. Lesson learned: If you have cats, put cats to bed, right? No. Oh my goodness, I would have not thought of that. It's a little cool, okay, so but funny. also crazy kitty. But anyways, continue. Yeah, yeah. Another um um thing that you might want to try is taking a hot bath or shower before bed. Now I know we in Southern California do not like to think about using extra water, so I I kind of conflicted about offering the suggestion, but the reason that it works is when you um, you elevate your body temperature. We talked about not exercising because it elevates your body temperature, but it elevates your body temperature inside your body, you know, when you maintain that body heat. Oh, now, mm-hmm. if you are, you know, producing the hot heat from the outside, like the, or a jacuzzi would be a, a great, you know, thing. And then you're, um, there is a vasodilation of the blood vessels right underneath the skin that causes heat to leave your body. And so then it reduces your body heat after you get out of the water, cools you down, and that can promote sleep. So that can be um, something to try. Yeah. So another thing, sleep, uh, another bear of bad news, sleep in a dark, gadget-free room without TVs and phones and iPads. Yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, staring at that um, blue light at night is definitely not helpful. It suppresses melatonin. And so many of us are doing that for hours before bed. We're looking at our laptops or TV or phone or whatever. And, um, yeah, that, that is, that can really, um, be troublesome as far as sleep onset. You can try blue, blue light glasses. I've been using those, um, recently and they do seem to be helpful. Um, there's and, also the, uh, uh, like that night shift mode on mm-hmm. phones, right? Like switches yeah. the screen kind of yellow color. Yellow. Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard to see. It's so hard to see what's on the screen that way. I'm like, I can't even read it. Well, maybe maybe that's beneficial. Maybe I don't need to read it right now. All right? It's too yellow. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, and the last thing is don't lie awake. This is probably the most painful one, is don't just lie there and lie awake, or don't look at your clock. Um, If you are, well, I don't know how you would know if it's been 20 minutes if you don't look at your clock, but uh, (laughs) the advice is, if it's been more than 20 minutes, get up and do something else until you feel tired. Now, I don't know what you're supposed to do because you um, you don't normally you would go do some work, right? Which is on your computer with the uh, blue light, or blue light. or you could you could read on um, not on your iPad though. Um, you could read a regular by book, right? Cool but you want to be uh, <laughs> um, actual and, pages. <laughs> I know, and I try that, and you know, but you don't want too much light, so you want to be in kind of a dark environment. And I'm like, I can't see, I can't see. <laughs> I was like, read a book by candlelight. You're like, the words are moving. I don't know how to read this. <laughs> I've actually been reading a book with a headlamp on. I'm like, okay, this does seem a little bit extreme, you know. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. It. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. Aww, I feel like a little kid great. who's defying their parents' bedtime, you know, <laughs> hiding yeah, in the yeah. covers with a flashlight. Oh, my goodness. Aww. Yeah. That's great. So those are, um, those are my tips. And another thing, if you wake up with an alarm clock, do not set the snooze button because waking up with an alarm clock is like it's it's horrifying you know it's like you're sleeping and all of a sudden you're like jarred away yeah. and like yeah. your stress hormones just go way out of control they elevate so much well don't do that to yourself repeatedly <laughs> <You know? laughs> set the That's thing when you need to get point. up and get up rather than making that stressor happen over and over and over I love that. That's actually a really great tip because I'm 100% that person. I'm like, snooze, snooze. But I also set my alarm like half an hour before I really actually have to get up so I can do that. So I'm like, let me give myself this half hour of really terrible sleep of not actually uh. sleeping for half an hour and then I'll get out of bed. Yeah, just yes. set your, your alarm clock for the right time. Get some good sleep during that time and then get up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I like to sit there and just hate that I woke up half an hour before I really should have woken up and then proceed well, to listen it, to my alarm every 10 minutes. Come on. This is how I like to live. I just want to ruin my life. Uh, well, if you like it, then... Um, you I know, don't actually I'm like not... it at all. I just, my, husband, my husband asked me this question, like, why don't you just get up? I'm like, no. Why? <laughs> what are you talking I'm, about? Yeah, yeah, I'm very guilty of that. I am very much the snooze queen. Uh, I'm sure he wants you to get up rather than have your your alarm keeping going off and waking him up again too. Huh? I did I did figure out though on my phone, which is helpful for anyone who uses their phone as an alarm. Your your phone alarm can actually be set to like gradually increase in volume progressively over the course of however many seconds you set it to. Which I didn't know until oh, recently because my used to turn on and it was very startling. Oh. And so now it's like this really slow like and I have like creak sounds. So it's just like nature sounds. So it's very very quiet. Like oh, it's a little louder. Peaceful. I'm like, oh. It's a lot nicer to wake up now. It's just I snooze it still. But, you know. Yeah. It's better than I it like being that. like that. I'm going to have to you have know? you show me how to do that. That is I'd be happy to. It, it's the, it, saved, it's, it saved my marriage. So we're great now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank oh, you so much for coming on, Kate. It yes, was so lovely Kate, to have you. you. So lovely. Yeah. We learned so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for inviting advice. me. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's more to say. But I know our time is closing here. We can always <laughs> have you back. Like we'll oh, be happy, and we can do a sequel, sequel part two down the road. But we'd love to. Yeah, but unfortunately, because we actually it's a little extra long episode, so we're gonna have an extra special one for everybody today. But um, <laughs> I know. But with that being said, uh, for those of you who are listening, make sure you like, share, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you comment below. Uh, but with that being said, until next time, everybody. Bye, guys.
Bye. Bye, guys.